Hi, Miss Bridget. Thank you so much for being here. I'm looking forward to finding out more about your job as a civil structural engineer. But before we get into the career, let's find out a little bit about your personal and adolescent life. <laughs> so what were you like when you were 13? Well, 13, I was just moving back to the States. We had just spent two and a half years in Japan. So I was awkward and trying to get my footing in the middle school and always loved math. I played soccer and tennis and volleyball at that age and yeah just just kind of a typical middle school girl I guess trying to find new friends and find my way in a new school. Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up at that point? I did so my dad's a civil engineer and I'm a little bit of a daddy's girl so I knew that that's I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. My brother and I, he, we moved into a, a neighborhood that was just starting construction. So we were one of the first houses that was built in this new subdivision. And we used to go dumpster diving to go take scrap material from the builders that were building houses. And we used to build all sorts of things. So that's kind of where, where I got started with the structural engineering. I like to kind of create and build actual physical structures. Wow. So were you very serious about school or? I think so. I mean, I always did my homework. I always got good grades. Honestly, until college school just came really easy for me. So it was, it was pretty simple, but yeah, I mean, I didn't skip school or not do homework or anything. So did you, what were your favorite classes? Math for sure. I liked one of my favorite teachers, Ms. Hartley, was a my geometry teacher, and she was the meanest old lady ever, <laughs> and I loved her. her. And she just really was one of the first teachers to challenge me. You know, one of the first things that she said on the first day of school was that half of you won't be in this class in two weeks. And so that, I was like, well, I'm going to be in the half that's still here. And, um, yeah, just that she was really the first teacher that challenged me. So that, that geometry class has stuck with me a long time. And she taught calculus as well. She used to play Metallica during our tests. (laughs) She was a weird lady. (laughs) Um, did you have any classes that you didn't enjoy or maybe you asked, like, what do we need this for that you now use pretty regularly? I, I didn't enjoy speech class just because I don't prefer speaking in front of people. So that one was really tough for me. Other than that, I history history's difficult for me just because my brain doesn't work that way. I don't remember those like I don't I don't remember history and those types of topics as well as I do with math and so I'd say history was my most challenging subject. But yeah. So it's interesting though, right now I'm actually going through, I I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I travel for work quite a bit, and I'm going through these kind of historical fiction books, and but they're focused on the the women of history that were kind of next to famous men. So like the last one was America's First Daughter, and it was Thomas Jefferson's daughter and just the historical time period of that time from her eyes versus what we normally read, which is from the men's eyes. So anyway, pretty interesting. I didn't like history, and now I'm reading historical fiction. 
You mentioned that your dad was a civil engineer. Did you have any other role models or influences? You know, I I don't know. My 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 mom's dad was just a super interesting guy and I I talked with him a lot about the sciences and and math. He was a a pilot and he also wrote books about maps and was a musician. So I'd say, you know, I my grandpa was a, a big influence in my life. My mom, of course. So my mom was a nurse in the Air Force, and she really held down the fort at home. She ended up getting out of the Air Force when we got a little bit older. My dad was deploying a lot, and so she was a stay-at-home mom for a while, and she just is just a remarkable person. And we didn't always get along when I was a teenager, <laughs> but now looking back, I really, <laughs> I really value the upbringing that she provided for us. Who does get along with their mom when they're a teenager? Certainly not me. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you choose your college? Well, so I was, I went, I applied to, gosh, 10 different schools. And we were kind of traveling all over the country looking at these different schools. I had a, a big decision to make on whether or not I wanted to play college soccer as well as go get my engineering degree. So that was that was really challenging. But I went to a few different schools that just didn't seem like it was the right fit. And then my dad and I went to Tulane, which is where I went to school, and it's in New Orleans. And we happened to go when it was French Quarter Fest. So the whole city was just in this celebration mode. You can walk from concert to concert in downtown New Orleans, and it was amazing. And then we went to the school. And at the school, they were having a BattleBots competition in the quad with kegs. And I was like, this is where I want to be. (laughs) This is it. And I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to Tulane. And so that helped out. That's a very expensive school. And so that helped out and helped make make that decision a little bit easier. So, And I decided that I I didn't want to play soccer in college. And Tulane didn't have a, a school team we had. We had a rec team, and I played rec, but I didn't. I didn't compete in soccer in college. So I feel like New Orleans is kind of constantly in party mode. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that until college, school was really easy for you. What exactly did you mean by that? It's just it's different, and engineering school is really really hard. They, I think Tulane said, you know, as a, a like I mentioned, my geometry teacher saying only half of you will be here. Well, that's what they told us at orientation as well. So a lot of kids drop out of engineering school. And the, the classes are a lot of time and effort. Like I remember a bunch of my roommates didn't were, were taking business classes and whatnot. And so I would go to work and come home and then start my four hours of homework at like 10 p.m. while they're all partying. But, and you know, I didn't do well in differential equations. I think I got a C in that class. And yeah, it was just a lot of homework, a lot of critical thinking and the, it's just different. So. So let's dive into your career and your current role. So in a nutshell, what is your current job? Well, my current job is, my title is Chief of the Technical and Contract Section of the Willamette Valley and Rogue Basin Projects. I know, it's a mouthful. I actually just started this position 
just about three months ago. So I supervise some of the project or all of the project engineers for the Willamette Valley and Rogue Basin, which we have 15 different facilities, dams down there, eight of which, nine of which produce power. And my the engineers that I supervise are mostly mechanical and, and electrical, which has been interesting since I'm structural. It's a different different skill set. I also advise planners, and so in order to keep these dams up and running, we get funding from different streams. We get funding from Congress. We get funding from BPA, Bonneville Power Association, and the planners help us prioritize the work that we're going to do for the year and make sure that we have the correct resources, whether it's people or equipment or parts, in order to do the work that we need to do when we need to do it. So that's what I do now. So a lot of people probably know what an engineer is, but how would they know, like, well, first of all, like the specific types of engineer and then also how they would want to go into the different... Mm -hmm. So there there are a ton of different types of engineer, and I think that probably electrical engineering is pretty straightforward. I feel like people know what electrical engineering is. Mechanical engineering, you can do a lot of different things with mechanical engineering as well. You know, my husband started down, he's a mechanical engineer. He started down at the New Orleans district of the Army Corps of Engineers, and worked on mostly flood protection and then when we moved up here he got a job with the hydroelectric design center and so did more hydropower for my my sect of engineering civil engineering can be a lot of things so civil engineering could be what people call like moving dirt so eating making sure things drain properly you know big all the big pipes in the ground for our drinking water systems and sewer systems, that's all civil engineering. You can go into kind of environmental engineering. Oftentimes those have civil engineering backgrounds. And then you can go in the direction of what I do, which is structural engineering. And I I, I like to say it's, it's all steel and concrete. Of course, you got wood and masonry too, but most of my job has been big industrial. So we've been dealing with steel and concrete but yeah definitely different lots of different avenues and so many different industries that you can go to so my background was actually oil and gas it's kind of a dirty word up here but I designed offshore oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico when I was down in New Orleans and now I'm part of you know greener energy with hydropower even though there's yeah there's there's a little conflict on whether or not hydropower is actually green just because of the way that we affect the fish populations and and natural habitats downstream. Goodness, I don't know how you you narrow it down. I guess just talking to people that you know, talking to engineers, doing internships is a great way to do that. A lot of the core brings high school students on for internships and then of course college students as well. And I think that a lot of companies do that, do provide that kind of education so that you can find the right career path for you if you're interested in engineering. So how would high schoolers find these kinds of internships? So our all ours are on USA Jobs, so it's a, a website. We also do outreach 
during engineering week that we talked to high school students. So this, it was remote this last year again, but I presented and did a virtual tour of one of our dam facilities for high school students. I, I guess hopefully your, your school counselors are aware of opportunities and I mean, if you're if you're interested in a certain career, just reaching out to companies because a lot of times they might not advertise positions, but be completely willing to bring in a student. And uh, what exactly would interns be doing? A lot of what interns do. So, like, obviously, I can't say here engineer this right mm-hmm. <laughs> to to a high school student. So a lot of it's talking with the engineers, going out to go see facilities. Our facilities, our, our job is, it's really important that we're talking to the end user. So I, like end users are our operators, our mechanics, the folks that are gonna be using what we're designing and installing at the end of the day. So, we, you know, I would bring an intern out to the facilities that I'm going to and to meet all the operators and and mechanics. I remember when I did internships, some of them were, you know, there's a lot of data entry. I might be building spreadsheets to help engineers kind of streamline calculations, uh, that kind of stuff. Very cool. So I know with a lawyer's license and a real estate license, you have to get certified in like each state and the exams are different. Is it the same with the engineering? So California has additional exams that you have to take for California. And I want to say New York and Illinois are the same way. And they're very heavily focused on seismic. The rest of the states, you do have to get your license in an individual state. And the state might have different continuing education requirements or, or you know, they might require more references, professional references than others. But I'd say... I, I'm going to say recently, in the past couple decades, the engineering exams have become standardized. So they're national. So the exam is the same, but you still have to go through the licensure process for individual states. And then, so sometimes you can have, you can get a license through reciprocity. And so if I'm, if I'm licensed in Oregon, it's a little bit easier for me to get licensed in Washington since I already have a license. It it can kind of transfer and you just have to do, I guess it's, it's less intensive to get, a, get the license in another state once you have gotten your initial license. And do you have to do any like recertification or anything later on? As long as you keep your license up to date, you don't have to test anymore, but they do almost every, every state that I'm aware of requires continuing education hours. And so like Oregon requires 30 every two years. So I have to provide documentation that taken seminars or classes or, or they allow a little bit of self-study in order to keep up on new things and keep your mind sharp, I guess. All right. Well, that sounds like a very long and intense process. So of your skill set, what do you use the most? Critical thinking and problem solving, I'd say. And it's it's interesting because I think that people have an idea of engineering that it's like head down, you're using your calculator all the time and you're you're doing calculations. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. I feel like as a society and particularly, you know, 
the Army Corps of Engineer where I am, everything's really collaborative and you have a lot of people and pieces of the puzzle that you have to put together for an end product. You know, we, we have environmentalists that we're talking to. Of course, there's always the funding issue of where, where the money is coming from and the operators and <clears throat> mechanics. And we've got cultural resources. So a lot of our facilities are on the historic registry. And so we have to coordinate with archaeologists to make sure that we're not changing the structure too much to affect the the history of it. And so I, I would just say like it's a little bit like herding cats to try to get everybody in the same room and agreeing to the same thing. And sometimes you have to come up with interesting and creative solutions to make everybody happy or at least make it make things make people happy enough so that things are moving forward. So I I'm kind of out of the time of my career where I'm actually crunching numbers and now it's more problem solving critical thinking. And how do you develop those? I think it's just experience, you know. I think college does a really good job of kind of teaching you how to solve problems and at least the engineering curriculum and and kind of how to to get from point A to point B with difficult difficult problems, but then it's just experience and and a willingness to come together with people and listen to their perspectives and try to find a solution that's going to work for everybody. So personally, I'm a little surprised about the whole like problem solving skill is one of the ones that you use the most. But are there any maybe others that you're surprised you use? I I guess I'm surprised as an engineer how often I have to present. And I think I've already mentioned that that's not my favorite thing to do. So I'm constantly having to, and and this might be, well, no, that's not true. You have to do this anywhere. So an engineer might come up with a solution. We might have to present to the client that we're working for. Or for me, I typically have to present to my superiors, particularly being an army organization. I present to our, our district commander relatively often. And all, so just being... You know, I I don't think that people typically think of engineers as people people. You know, there's like a joke of how do you know an extroverted engineer? And it's because they're looking at your shoes instead of their own shoes. And that's just not the case that I've I've seen for me. So I, I am always having to kind of pull together a lot of information and condense it and make it digestible for people that are maybe not in my field or people that don't share my experience and presenting them my ideas so that we can get by off and move forward on projects. And you also mentioned earlier traveling for work. Who are you exactly are you traveling to like talk to? And Right. So let's see. Last week... I went to a Northwest Hydro Association conference that was in Bend, and that was a conference where we kind of got together a lot of the the different hydropower players in the in the region. Talked about some of the challenges that we're we're facing with getting you know qualified people that we need on our teams, some of the increased environmental regulations that we're having to navigate through and and things like that. So that was one 
a conference and I actually presented at that as well. And then this past week I was down at Lost Creek Dam in Medford conducting interviews for an operator down there. I go down to the valley a lot, so the the valley, the Eugene area where 13 of our 15 dams are. So I'm down there talking to my most of my direct reports live and work down there. So I'm, I'm mostly going to see them and my bosses are also down there. So I'm, I'm down there to see them. So you mentioned someone who worked for Shell, which to my knowledge is a, is only a like gas company. Mm -hmm. So how exactly would you be an engineer for them? So they, they, I actually worked out of Shell's engineering office while I was in New Orleans. I, I didn't work for that company. I worked for a, a consulting company that Shell hired to do some of their engineering. So, I mean, all of the onshore compressor stations, all of the onshore drilling facilities, all of, we designed offshore oil rigs, and that requires electrical, mechanical, structural. So, you know, the, the actual, and a lot of times like nautical engineers, because some of their their structures are, are floating. They're more like a boat and then tied down to the sea rather than a fixed leg platform that goes all the way down to the sea. So they they have tons of engineers. They have they focus a lot on like process engineers, chemical engineers that are making their their gasoline maybe more effective, more environmentally friendly, all of that stuff. And environmental engineers as well. So they've yeah, the oil and gas industry has tons of engineering. Are there any other like companies that you're like, yeah, there's you can be an engineer for them that might um, surprise someone? Oh, I don't know about surprise. I'd say, you know, between chemical engineering and, you know, there a lot there's a lot of engineers in the medical profession, so engineers might be designing that replacement part that goes in your knee. You need an engineer to to design a new hearing aid. All of those types of things actually require engineers. And of course, you can, you know, the the state of Oregon, the Department of Transportation, they have a bunch of engineers as well. We're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a structural and mechanical or, or mechanical and electrical. So going back to college, do you think that your career success could be credited to attending any particular schools or is it really a lot more of the like networking so I think it depends on where you are on whether or not it's a particular school is important so Tulane had a really big name in New Orleans it's it's a little bit interesting because after Katrina they actually shrank their engineering program I think they kept chemical and biomedical and both of those kind of funnel into their med school program but so there is no civil engineering program at Tulane anymore but it was a big name and I do think that it helped me get my first job because you know not so much in the, the federal government because we we have a very stringent and fair process for hiring, but a lot of private industry alumni hire, like to hire from the school that they went to. And so that can, that can matter. But I think that if you got good grades and, and worked hard and did some internships, you could be successful going to any school, whether it be a state school or a private school or even a technical college so is there anything that you wanted to bring up that I did not ask a question about you know I don't know if, if you'll want to include this but uh, we need more women in engineering 
So there are, are not that many of us and diversity in teams creates better solutions. And I think part of that goal for diversity should be increasing the the females in the in the field. So, you know, I talked about that conference that I went to last week and I think there were nine women out of about eighty attendees. Wow. So what should teenage girls be doing if they never particularly enjoyed or focused on math and science but after listening to this they're like oh yeah I might want to be an engineer I would say being well-rounded like like I said it's not all about the math and all about crunching numbers and a lot of people don't even determine their major until after their first year of college so I would say start looking into math classes now anything that you can do to kind of get yourself ahead of the game another like physics is also another really important class and so math and sciences not just necessarily math but anything that is going to get you into a good school that you're going to be happy with and then you can always change your major later And our final question, what advice would you give to 15-year-old you? 15-year-old mm, me. I think I'd, I'd tell 15-year-old me to not worry so much about what other people thought of me. <laughs> of course. Yeah. The one thing every teenager needs to kind of hear. <laughs> I know. It's so hard. It's easier said than done, right? And just, you know, work hard, prepare for opportunities that are going to come up. Like, you never know when you might have an opportunity and, and just having preparation in your life, whether it's, you know, finances or your skill set um, or whatnot, like being able to to take those opportunities and take advantage of them whenever they come up. And don't be afraid to extend yourself beyond your comfort zone. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming out and doing this. It was very interesting to hear about your job. It was very nice to talk to you. Thank you. You too.